Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Welcome, Marvel fans, to episode 40 of MarvelCast, a Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast by fans for fans. Each week, we'll discuss the latest news regarding the MCU, followed by reviews and discussion of the latest released content in this ever-expanding multiverse. I'm your host, JG, and joined with me today is Steven. Steven, we're back. How are you doing? We are back. It's been, what, a couple months? I feel like we went on hiatus in September around the beginning of She-Hulk, and we've just had personal and family and life and now we said we're going to start 2023 back in action with marvel cast 40 what a great big you know round number to start with again how have you been oh i'm doing well it's it's been great we've had so much uh great marvel content um some pretty great content besides marvel as well you know we've talked a lot about walking dead um, as you said, life life does get busy, and we've always have said that between us that uh, family, health, and all that, that always comes first, um, even above something that we absolutely love this podcast being. But it's the new year, episode 40. We're in video if you're watching on YouTube. like We're going big. We're ready to start this off uh, in a big way, and I'm pretty excited. Uh, what about you, Steven? Yeah, I think we're going to try some new things for the podcast. Like, I think having that break to kind of brainstorm, and like I feel like even though we had a break, you and I were still messaging almost daily about Marvel and about pop culture, just trying to, you know, kind of think about brainstorming how we can make this show even better for our audience and get more engagement now that we're in the new year. Um, you and I had the chance. We we did get tickets to see Black Panther together, but again, with family issues, I had to miss out on my Thursday screening. So we did get the chance, though, to meet in real life, though, for um, Avatar and Avatar Way of Water in IMAX and Dolby. So that was great to finally meet my co-host and friend um, in person after a couple of years of just kind of podcasting together. So I'm glad we got to meet and hopefully this year we'll get a chance to see at least one or two Marvel movies together again. Definitely. That is definitely something important to know. It's like, it's, it's so unreal and it's hard to explain for some people, but in such a digital age, like it is, I would say relatively easy to make friends online, whether it be through gaming, whether it be through different fandoms or communities and such. And then, to be able to meet that and like Steve and I are blessed in a way where we somehow live only about an hour away and that is that can be very unusual when you do meet people online and so you know getting to meet you has been one of the highlights from last year I can't wait for the Marvel I know we're both going to be losing our minds we're going to be those people um like I do think many of our viewers are I do want to also mention um because you are if you're watching this on YouTube you're watching us on a different channel from 1138 we are still a part of that network and we love all the guys with Star Wars Scanning Podcast and everything involved with that um we are just hoping that putting this on a separate channel um could continue to grow and it allows us to do more things uh such as maybe you know live streams uh gaming you know different things like that it gives us those options and so uh any other final thoughts and anything Stephen before we start this episode no, I'm ready to get back to like a regular or your regularly scheduled program like WandaVision. I'm ready to get back into the groove of things and I'm excited to kind of um, revamp the show. And I hope um, the fans that have listened to us for the first 39 episodes are ready to jump back in with us and try out um, all we have in store for them this year. 
definitely, I could not have said it any better. Now, this show is going to be a little bit uh, not what we normally do. We normally would go through the news. We'll review if there's any new content. Um, but this one, we're going to pretty much be talking about the main topic, which will just be reflecting back on the year that uh, Marvel was last year. We'll be giving our reviews and thoughts on the stuff that we weren't able to share just quite yet. Talk about it. Before we do that, though, it is time for, I think, one of uh, Stephen and I's favorite time of the years. And it's only even the second time, but it already just feels like such a wonderful tradition. And that is the Marvel Casties. Steven, the Marvel Casties, it's award season. I can smell the Oscars in the air. For us, it is time to give out some Marvel awards. How are you feeling? Um, we've both been working on the ballot. And I know I have to give you credit. You did a lot of work with the images and like you did last year. And I'm really excited to get this out to our audience. I'm going to be sharing it out with all of my friends as well because... The more participation we have, I think this is one of the easiest ways to get everyone involved that's listening and watching this. Because we're going to run this um, ballot for a couple of weeks here, and JG's going to talk about that in a second. But really, this is, there was just so many great movies, television shows, so many characters to choose from. Like, I'm really going to struggle, I think, to make a final decision on a few of these categories that we have lined up here. Do you want to tell them about some of the categories? Oh, yes. We have a lot of the favorites from last year. We have your, your typical where we have the best film and the best TV series. Um, some of my favorites are kind of like the best duo, though, because um, I don't think, uh, you know, you kind of highlight that. But I think Marvel is in such a unique place where we see uh, power couples, whether that be romantic or not. Last year for me, Katie and Sean from Shang-Chi were mine. Uh, I think that relationship was so key. Um, we also have some fun categories that are specific to Marvel, which is the post-credits. Um, it was quite a year for post-credits last year. Um, what category are you really excited to see play out, Stephen? I think I'm excited to see um, the post-credits, but also I'm interested to see the... Um... 2023 like what we're looking forward to the most because we do have a variety of movies and television that we're looking forward to seeing over the next 12 months and i'm really curious what our fans are interested to see but i'm also interested to see um what we did last year jg and we're going to do this year he and i are both going to be you know completing the ballot privately of course and writing down our answers so we can talk about them later this month when we do the big reveal show and I'm curious to see how often you and I will overlap. I know usually we're kind of in sync when it comes to our thoughts about these products, but which ones will be our favorites. And I think we'll have a couple overlaps, but I think they'll have a couple that are going to be a little bit different too. And then I want to see how you and I compare to the general public as well. And hopefully, again, the more we get, oh, I just hope we get a big amount of people. Didn't we have like 50 or 60 last year that participated? Yeah, we had. We were just under 50. So I think this year, I think I think we could get to over 75. I think this year we can go bigger and really uh, have a wide array of votes. I'm really curious to see how it's going to shape out because in general, because we had we were coming off the heels of Spider-Man: No Way Home, one of the biggest movies of the year, one of the biggest movies of the decade, one of the biggest movies of the franchise, and it took home a lot of awards. And while I think there are some very exceptional films, I don't think that they're in the same way in categories that that film was. And so I don't think we're going to have a film that takes home three, four awards. I'd be very surprised. Not just that, but we always have to think about that um, recency effect. Like Spider-Man had come out two weeks before we put the ballot out or maybe right around the same time we put the ballot out. Yeah. And so with this, Wakanda Forever being the most recent film and... I guess the most recent product besides the uh, holiday special. Um, we really, I wonder, I think Black Panther Wakanda Forever will have take a few wins home, but not as many as Spider-Man. I think that one just like hit on all cylinders. And Wakanda, again, we'll talk about it today, but 
I think, um, yeah, I think it's going to be a mixed bag of where we're going to get a variety of different um, results, I think, from different TV shows and movies from last year. I agree. Now, some important information to know about the Marvel Cassies when you're listening. The voting is open as long as you're listening January of 2023. If you're listening in the future, well, then you can watch the you can watch the award show already. Uh, for those who are voting now, though, the voting is going to be open. It is going to be open until the 15th. The 15th will be the, the last day. That is a Sunday, so a little over seven days. Um, and then it will be officially closed on the 16th. Uh, we record on Thursdays. We will record the show on Thursday the 19th, and the award show will be live and up on the YouTube and on podcast feeds on the 20th, uh, where we'll be handing out all of the awards, and it is going to be a great time. I cannot wait. It was definitely a highlight. It's it's something that a lot of friends who don't necessarily listen to the podcast all the time, they tuned in, and it was a really good time. And so uh, any other final thoughts on the Marvel casties, Steven? No, it's like I said, it's become now an annual tradition for us as we head into our second year of doing this podcast. And so I'm excited to kind of see um, how we're going to keep growing it and maybe making it even bigger an event. And if we spread it online, maybe it'll keep growing each year. That's my hope. That will be very exciting indeed. Um, the link to the ballad is going to be in the description of the YouTube episode, the description of the podcast episode, also on the Twitter and on the Facebook, or wherever you find us on socials, um, even on TikTok. Going to try to get that up going on with everything else as well. Um, with all that being said, even we do, I think before we can even give out some awards, I think we do, we should look back at the year itself. It was a crazy year. Uh, we were now going into a year where Disney Plus has been established. We got those first shows. Um, we were now going to be, uh, as we would find out later in the year, we would be ending the phase four. Um, it would have been looking at the internet conversations. It would be rather controversial in the way that a lot of it was received in mixed uh, praise. You know, some of it was received very well. Some of it was not. Um and it was quite a year with a lot of content. Um, so I think before we get diving into each of the properties individually, what did you think about the year as a whole for Marvel? Oh, yeah, it was overwhelming, but in a great way, because um, I'm all about, you know, getting... I, I just love being immersed in these, you know, fictional universes, whether it be Marvel or Star Wars. And I think Disney Plus has continuously provided a lot of content for these universes that you and I love. Um, I think back one of the you know my highlights in regards to Marvel last year was when they did the SDCC panel and um, I was at the beach we just got there that day with my family and I remember we were going to this ice cream place we like and I was so distracted I think I almost got hit by a car because my head was in my phone and I said you know what you guys go get ice cream I am not able to even focus right now because it just was like non-stop announcement after announcement by Kevin Feige and like boom Phase four is ending this year with Wakanda Forever. Boom. Here's all uh, phase five. And boom, here we go with what's going to be part of phase six. So that, I think, was the best part in regards to Marvel for me last year was because that high of getting that announcement's like just thrown in your face. It only happens every couple of years. So I don't expect it again, at least for another two or three years. So I just soaked that in. Like, I think if I had to pick one moment in Marvel, that was it. What was your moment in Marvel for last year? Oh my goodness, it, ha it has to be pretty similar to that, probably, because I was um, on vacation as well, um, I was in Tennessee, and I just remember it just was non-stop, and I was just, I couldn't, I don't even think I could keep up sending you the messages, we were trying to talk to each other, and it was just, it was so crazy and so overwhelming, and it was the first time, 
I would say that being like a really like invested fan, you know, podcasting and really diving into it, um, that I got to experience that and it was it was so much fun and um just excited to see where it's gonna be and, and where we're gonna head off and um you know, Marvel is in a really great place. Um I know, you know, people will talk a lot about um the quote unquote quality of phase four. Um but I don't know. I just I, I think that Marvel is in a really good spot and we have a really promising future ahead of us. I think a lot of people are still, you know, looking at look at how great phase three was, like, you know, one after another leading up to endgame. And I think people expected it just to kind of keep that momentum and it has in my opinion, but at the same time, you and I have talked a lot off the air. It was like phase one again. It you basically it's a whole new saga. Like, think of it, you finished your book series. Now you're doing a spin-off book series. I mean, it's got some similar characters, but we needed that time. Like, just think about how Phase 1, it had six films in it, but it was a very slow build-up till we got to Avengers. And we we needed this, you know, the past two years of a variety of television shows and movies to really introduce a whole new set of characters because if you don't spend the time to get to know them, you're not going to get the same emotional payoff you're going to get when we get to um Kang Dynasty, when we get to Secret Wars, because we've now had hours and hours, especially with the Disney Plus shows, which we didn't have in the Infinity Saga, to spend hours getting to know these characters. But when we finally see, you know, their big, you know, moments on the big screen, it's going to have such a big impact. So I think people, and I also think COVID had a role to play with it. Like, we know that there were more plans, and COVID made it more difficult on the set to make these connections um, and bring characters together. But and again, we can save this for a future episode. From the rumors that are coming out about Phase 5, the stuff from Phase 4 is so important, it's going to make you want to go back and watch because without the events and you know the climaxes of Phase 4, you're not going to get payoff in Phase 5 or 6. So I think people are going to have a different tune when they look back on it in maybe two or three years from now, I think. I hope. I agree, and I think it's something... It's so evident, especially when you even look at our Marvel Cassies, you know, the second one here, 2022, when you look at it, there's like five or six uh, returning heroes. There's like 15 new heroes. So it, there's no way we're going to be at a point where we were in phase three or even phase two. Like we're in a part where we're like we're back at phase one 2.0 where we're introducing all these new characters. We're laying the foundation. You can't just go in and, and, and lead up to phase six and the culmination of King, King Wars or King Dynasty and Secret... <laughs> I combined the two. It's a new movie. It's going to be a spinoff. But you have to have that foundation of all these new characters, especially with the films are going to have so many characters. And so um, it is very exciting. And last year, 2022, was a huge year of introducing so many new characters. And Disney Plus kicked off the year with the show Moon Knight. Uh, that was six episodes, I do believe. Uh, Stephen, what are your like just thoughts, favorite moments, any highlights or anything from this uh, series of Moon Knight? Yeah, I was so excited because I think Moon Knight was the very first Disney Plus show that was based on new IP, where all the 2021 shows had been based on Avengers or other similar characters. So, like, I was super pumped for that because, like I said before, I don't want to just spend time with, you know, the 25, 30 characters we already had. I want to get to know and build up this roster and make it more like the Marvel comics where you have hundreds. And, sorry, get off my soapbox real quick, but when all of this is done... Whenever this story eventually comes to an end, which I hope it doesn't for a very long time, we are going to have hundreds, if not upwards, close to a thousand characters and side characters and small characters. And 
it's such a lush universe and you don't get that like i can't think of any other universe besides maybe star wars where you're gonna have that many characters and even then you know not to this extent either but um i was so excited to get to know a new character i love teaching egyptian history so getting the egyptian pantheon in there with torrent um with um yeah all the gods playing into it and like like the whole mark grant steven like there was just so many you know mysteries like each week it left you like wondering what's real it's like making you question everything and even by the end we didn't i feel like we still have a lot that needs to be addressed and without an official season two announced yet um i i really liked it i mean it feels like it was so long ago but i mean it was not even a year ago at this point right yeah it was i believe coming out in like march i do uh february march approximately which is crazy to think um Moon Knight, Moon Knight's an interesting show where I was going in pretty excited, pretty optimistic, and I left pretty satisfied. Uh, it was definitely, it, it really stood on its own, and that's what they wanted to do, and the, it definitely, it's hard, because I go into it and I'm like, oh my gosh, this was so awesome, but then as we're going to talk about in the rest of the year, I found myself enjoying other things more, and I don't think that's to take away the quality of the show, the quality of the acting, the characters themselves. Uh, my goodness, I love the fact that we were able to get a hero out of Layla. Like, that was, I think, one of the biggest surprises of that, of that whole show, uh, more than anything. And I was so excited. And I, and I just hope that if they're going to put the effort into doing that, then it's going to have payoff later. And we're going to see her again in some capacity. Uh, because I think that's what makes Marvel so cool is that, like you were talking about with the characters, is that there are so many characters. And they're characters that, you know, when you get told these stories, you're like, okay, well, they're not the main character, but then a story, a movie, a show, or even now a special, they can't be the star of that story. And so I, just having that possibility is just so exciting, especially for a character who you would like at first, probably in the first three, four episodes, you're not thinking too much about. But now all of a sudden you're like, hold on a second here. It's pretty exciting. Yeah, I think definitely like that. The whole, remember the ending whenever Conchu like rotated the planet and like the stars? Like, I wish we could have seen that in another property this year and like how it would have connected mm. because I sound like a hypocrite saying it, but I do. The one negative thing was I wish it would have connected a little bit more. Like, there were maybe mm-hmm. two or three Easter eggs to the whole MCU, which I get they want to, you know, introduce it standalone so that way next time we see him with these characters, it'll have a bigger impact. I get that. Um, but yeah, Layla was a great character, her mystery. Um, I know it ended with that post credit about Jake Lockley, right? And um, Harrow in the, the yep. limousine or whatever. Um, do you think, will we see, could Moon Knight, Mark Spector, Stephen Grant, yada yada, could they show up somewhere else this year, do you think? Or do you need a Moon Knight season two first to pick up where that post credit left off? That's a great question. I mean, looking ahead to what we know is coming out this year. More than likely, it's probably not going to be anything. But, I mean, we're full of surprises. I mean, gosh, look, we'll talk about it later, but look who showed up in Black Panther or Wakanda Forever. That was a surprise. Um, so uh, we also talked about, I think it was yesterday or two days ago, how there's this massive gap of content. Obviously, we don't know we don't know what the schedule is yet for TV. Um, we don't know if things are going to be moved around or not. But there is this massive gap where I'm like, you know... Could a Moon Knight season two be surprised pop up there? You know, they were going to Egypt about months ago. I don't think so, but is it out of the realm of possibility? I mean, they surprised us with Werewolf by Night. Um, so I guess anything is, but 
I, I don't think we're going to see him this year. I think out of everything we know that's officially released, probably Blade is the next thing we we'll, could potentially see him. Yeah, unless they surprise us with another holiday or Halloween special, perhaps. Yeah. He might cameo there, but um, yeah, I think if we wait till 2024, it'll build up more suspense for him because he'll he'll be back at some point i don't see him disappearing forever that would not make sense you don't introduce a character in his own series for that i don't think no oscar isaac really likes the character too so um we'll no. definitely we're not done with him in any capacity all right let's um leave 616 universe and yeah. we're gonna jump now to the sony spider-man character universe whatever it's called nowadays <laughs> which i'm hopeful is going to be better this year but anyhow um morbius is our next film that came out i think around february march too around there april yeah april oops but remember <laughs> um you saw it early did you go in theaters and see it opening night oh that's right and i held off on it um because that was right around the time my son was born and so i ended up not seeing it then until m months later when it went on sale on voodoo <laughs> because the completionist in me even though whatever rotten tomato score it has needs to have all of them because they're not on Disney Plus. So, let's talk Morbius and Mr. Opening Night. What would you think about Morbius? Oh my gosh, I was thinking how I really should have done some homework. And I think that's very great. Like, like we're giving y'all some time, y'all. Like, take the time. Don't rush the ballot. And maybe rewatch things because I think this is maybe one that I need to rewatch. Um, as I was doing research for the ballot, I was like, oh, there's things that I don't remember. Um, yeah, Morbius is an interesting film. Um... I'm not generally a pessimistic person. I tend to try to find the good in most things, even in the bad. It's really hard to find good in Morbius, because um, I just don't remember it. Like, I just... I mean, it became a meme. It became quite a phenomenon to the fact that they put it back in theaters and it flopped because no one's going to go see that it's movie. But, like, I mean, I don't know what, I don't know what else to say. I, it's kind of a shame that Matt Smith was in a Marvel property and it ended up being this. He was good from what I can remember. I don't think we're done with Morbius, but I don't think we're getting another more. Like, I don't think we're getting a green light for Morbius too. No, I think he'll show up somewhere else. Have you watched it again since theaters? No. I watched it once. Like I said, when it became on sale and yeah, I don't remember much of it. I remember the vague elements of the plot. I remember of course, the post-credit, which we can talk about briefly, too, because that's, I think, where it's going to set up some things that don't make sense. Um, but, yeah, I, and again, Matt Smith could obviously pop up elsewhere in the multiverse. We see a lot of these actors that have played different roles in the multiverse. So I hope he does again. But, yeah, it was an odd film. I, my earliest version, memory of Morbius, though, was probably, like, maybe five, ten, five, six years ago um, when Marvel and Funko put out those collector core boxes like the Star Wars one behind you there with Luke mm -hmm. on his um, speeder. And I would got I got those for a while until I canceled my subscription. But I remember one year I got like a Morbius Funko Pop. And I'm like, who is this guy? And it was like <laughs> when I was first starting to get into, you know, the comics and stuff. And I had to look him up. And I'm like, okay. And then I heard the <laughs> movie and I just never got around to it. But I'm glad I did see it. I, um, again, I'm hopeful when we do our kind of preview and discussion of 2023 show, movies and shows at the Sony... Um, multiverse i mean it's still part of the mcu it's still part of the multiverse we have to give it credit like i hope kevin feige has a little bit more say in what goes on and the decisions that are made but at the end of the day i don't want the sony films to flop because 
they i mean that's still part of like just like the other fantastic fours and just like blade with wesley snipes these are a part of the multiverse and they're going to play i think a big role as we finish out day six in the multiverse saga so i want them to be successful because when i do my whole series rewatch and 100 hours of content plus i gotta include it and you and i have thought of an interesting way to include those movies in the what ifs area but um yes yeah. Let's talk real quick about the the post credit scenes because that's where we're kind of going. Even though, so Doctor Strange put out a spell that you for everyone forgets who Peter Parker is, and one of the side effects of the said spell is Adrian Toomes doesn't seem to forget who Peter Parker is, but ends up in a different universe in the Venom Morbius universe. And there were two random post credit scenes that made no sense, and he tells um, Morbius maybe we should put a team together. So there we go. What are your thoughts on that? What was the reaction to you in the theater when you saw that? I was just so confused, and I'm just like, what are you doing, Sony? Like, put the drink down. Like, I, I do think this is the reason this film is a main, main reason that Kevin Feige probably made a phone call to Amy. He was like, hey, we got to talk. I don't know about this. Um, yeah, I, I just... And we had talked about this literally in our last episode when we were talking about Madam Webb back in September, August, that, you know, it is very clear that Sony is attempting to do something. They're attempting to do a, a, a collaborative film, a some, some, they're leading to some event. What that is, how that looks like, how that comes together is just very befuddling, especially with the movies that they have announced, a Craven movie, El Muerto, Madam Web, like... What's the it, new um, Donald Glover movie, too? Yeah, that's that's also on the docket now, as of a couple weeks ago. There's just a lot of weird choices. In some ways, I can respect it because, you know... That's awesome. We're going to get stories of very, like, unknown characters. But then it also scratches my head, and I'm like, shouldn't we be trying to make, like, a really epic, like, Spider-Verse and Spider-Man characters and such? And maybe, you know, we've heard the rumors about Madam Web, and we talked about that in that last episode. It's just, it just is so weird. And maybe, maybe it's, you know, maybe I'm falling into the same victim, or same pattern that some people were with Phase. Four, maybe I need to give it more of a chance, and maybe they are gonna do something. Maybe this is kind of like a phase one, phase one and a half for Sony, and they're layering the pieces out for whatever they're doing. I hope so, because keep in mind, No Way Home only had five villains, so you know they're saving Sinister Six. Yes, for their plans. And imagine if like No Way Home was like the first Avengers movie, and you're building up to something that includes like. Hopefully, all of these characters and all of the live-action Spider-Man. Like, I'm hopeful for that. But now, JG, if you're a betting man, <laughs> you put money, if you can only pick one, on Sony's Spider-Verse having a plan and following through with the plan, or James Gunn's DC <laughs> reboot? Which one would, would you bet on right now? Um, Yeah, I'd probably go to Vegas on James Gunn. <laughs> yeah, at, even though we know Sony... Point. Because, like, we know Sony's announced films. We don't know J James Gunn's yet, but um, Sony seems to be throwing things at the wall a little bit. But I'm hopeful. Again, I want Foggy more involved. Yeah. I um I don't want them to fail. I want them to be successful. It just it just feels like, like, I, like just, especially with, like, oh, we're putting a team together. Like, okay, you're building towards something. 
And if you're going after Peter, uh, yeah, if you're going after Peter, then like, who, which one is it? Is it one that we know? Is it a new one? So curious to see how that all plays out. If Andrew Garfield make it his universe with Venom, that's what we're hoping for. Oh my gosh! If we go to watch Venom three, uh, which is probably my most anticipated uh, Sony film right now, with the exception of the the Spider Verse ones, um, wow, would that be such a lovely surprise? Are we thinking? I know I need to look at my updated roster. We've got Craven later this year. Yes. And then and Spider and across the Spider Verse, and then twenty twenty four, Madam Web. And is Venom 3 in 2024? It's not listed. I would hope they'd start getting into production soon, because that Venom Let There Be Carnage was 2021? Yeah, 2021. Yeah. yeah. Man, that would be wild. Um, if they do add it to the fall, which is possible, because like we had this conversation you know, the other day where they have three films coming out in the first three months of the next year. Like, I don't see that happening. I, I don't know how. I mean, unless unless Sony's really is like, hey, we're going to come out of the year and we're really just going to go, you know, go for it. And they're going to just go bang, bang, bang. And just, I, I don't even know. Like, how, <laughs> like, literally, it's it's Madam Web. It's, um... El Muerto, it's El Muerto in January, Madam Web in February, and then it's the next um, continuation of the Spider-Verse um, mm. in March. All just back to back to back. Like, that is just... I don't know. I don't, I don't see that happening. No, I think they'll have to space things out a little bit. Who knows, though? I mean, they already pushed back Madam Web, and that's the one I'm, I think, most excited for, too. With some of the rumors about the plot and the actors in it, yes. and just how I think it could potentially answer some questions about how these different Spider-Verses might be connected in live action. Yes, Hopefully. there's a lot, and uh, that is uh, that is the only uh, Sony property that we got uh, from 2022, which is just uh, kind of crazy, kind of a quieter year for Sony, mm -hmm. but um, as we said, they're ramping up, and they might be coming out with a lot. We might actually be having more Sony content and Marvel content, which is kind of weird to think about. Yeah. But speaking of the Spider-Verse, well, let's go ahead and get a little mad and head into the actual Multiverse of Madness, Doctor Strange. I think a film that both you and I were super eagerly excited for, for many reasons. Um, we probably were some of the people who speculated a bit too much, maybe. Um, but I do think for both of us, we, you know, got our expectations, like, met whenever we did watch the film and walked out of that. I feel pretty satisfied. Uh, what about you, Steven? Like, did, did you walk out of the movie satisfied? I know we talked about all the possibilities. It's multiverse of madness. Uh, a lot of people on the internet said there just wasn't enough. There was enough multiverses. There weren't enough cameos. What are your thoughts coming out? Yeah, I think um, you and I maybe hyped ourselves up maybe a little bit more than we should have. But <laughs> it's um, still a very good movie. And I still, it's one that I've rewatched at least once or twice on Disney+. Plus. Um, I really like it for what it is. I like Doctor Strange as a character. I want to see him again. I don't know when we're going to see him again <laughs> with Clea. But I um, I really like the movie, and I think more I've had time to reflect on it, too, I've thought about the fact that if they would have gone, you know, completely insane with multiverse and all these cameos and stuff, it would have taken away from the movie, first of all. Plus, how do you top that when you get ready for Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars? Like, we know we're building up to that. Just like we built up to Infinity War and Endgame, I think I needed to kind of remind myself, like we talked about at the beginning of the episode, um, you need to build it up. So, like, Loki last, no, 2021, Loki introduced Multiverse, really, and What If did, too. And so we've got to get the sampling there. 
and then Multiverse of Madness like blew it up a little bit more on the big screen, of course. And we're gonna get Loki this year. Like it's all these little ingredients that are kind of adding onto it. That by the time we finally get to, you know, you know, the multiverse, you know, war, or whatever it ends up looking like, it's gonna be really awesome. And I think it's gonna make us go back and look at um, Doctor Strange: Multiverse of Madness as a really great introduction because now a lot of the characters, or at least a handful of them, in the 616 universe are aware of this. And they can now share it with other Avengers when they do reunite, as soon as that is. Yeah, it, it's just, for me, it's a fun film, which is, I guess, kind of weird. But as a horror lover, it's a very fun film. Um, it screams at Sam Raimi. It is just um, deliciously campy horror, just a little bit of scary, but not too scary. Um, I love, love, love the connections to WandaVision. It is a... In my opinion, a direct sequel to WandaVision. I would almost consider that a must-watch, even though they do give you a little bit of a summary in the beginning. Um, I just think this film just goes for it. It takes risks. And I think, you know, <laughs> we really hyped ourselves up. We heard about all the r rumors, the leaks, cameos galore, etc. Um, you know, I do think we were still quite surprised with what we did end up getting. Um, and I do think that they take risks and I think it pays off for most people. It could be a little jarring for others. And I am excited to see where it leads us, where it leaves Wanda. She's not dead. I'll tell you that right now. Um, I'm excited to see, you know, where Clea and Dr. Strange are going to end up. I think that's a huge catalyst. If they're going to be dealing with incursions, like she said, that's a huge catalyst for the ending of phase six, in my opinion. And so... I think this film is going to be looked back at as a very core film, kind of like maybe what like Cap the first Captain America was whenever it was in Phase One. Yeah, I um, I definitely think you know one of the mo probably the most memorable scenes for me uh, was the Illuminati scene, just because we knew they were coming. We didn't know who all was going to make up the roster, but like, and I'm so glad that they did try to keep it as tight vested as they could on some of the cameos. Because um, it made the reaction in the theater a little bit better. Like, I, I know I sent you right after we saw the movie. I, um, I've i had the privilege of meeting two of the Illuminati. John Krasinski and Anson Mount, who plays Black Bolt. So, I was super excited. Um, I, I wonder when we might see these variants again. Or variants of these characters that have now been killed by Wanda. Um, do you think, alright, you're back in Vegas, JG. Okay. John Krasinski still in the running for Mr. Fantastic because it says the rumors are they're still casting, which is making me hard to believe that they're still casting. But hopefully they're taking their time with it. If they're still casting, does that mean they're casting three of the four characters? Or they're casting all four of them. Um, well, it's not gonna be Krasinski. I'll tell you that right now. Mm -hmm. There is a zero percent chance he is coming back. Uh, <laughs> Why is that? Zero. Um, because it was fan casting. It was a special gift to the fans who have been wanting this for so long um yes he is a variant yes he can show up in 616 he's not guys he's he'll not he, you might see him again for you know down the road for a variant for secret wars and all that good time but no he's not it and i i think i think they have their cast i think they probably signed them finished it up around november i think they're finishing up production and they're going to be filming in the next year okay that makes sense yeah um yeah the luminary scene was awesome like seeing patrick stewart back hearing that -na 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 -na, uh, which we've heard now twice this year twice yes but we didn't hear it for our third mutant of the year did we 
We did not. Namor. Namor. Okay. Um. Um. Post credit scene introducing Clea was interesting, kind of setting up his third adventure, which hasn't been announced yet. Was not announced at um, STCC. Do you think we see a Doctor Strange movie before we see the next two Avengers movies, or in between them, or do we? When do we see Doctor Strange again? What do you think? Yeah. Regardless, we see whatever that adventure is before the final films of this saga. Um, I don't know if that is a sequel. I don't know if that's a special. I don't know if that's in another film. But I do think, like I had said, I think that incursion is going to set up um, what is to come in King Dynasty, what is to come in Secret War, and all the multiverse shenanigans like that is going to be the multiverse of madness like that is where we're going to be like holy crap this is all hell is breaking loose there are variants everywhere like like some they're gonna have i i wonder if maybe they're gonna go to try to fix something and then they're not going to be able to and that's gonna like cause the ramifications maybe whatever they're trying to stop is also as a result of kang maybe like there's a lot of small pieces here that are coming together um that you know it, it, we're gonna see payoff i think also Speaking of this post-credit scene, I think it was just a surprise to see Clea herself. I had not a clue who she was. I was just like, what on earth? I remember, I'll never forget, which I think is kind of fun about the post-credit scenes, because I think this is for some pe a lot of people, where you'll see the scene and you're waiting to see if there's anything else as the, as the credits start rolling, um, especially if it's the first one. And then you just type in, like, what is this character from this post-credit mm -hmm. scene? And you're just like, oh. And you start reading, like, the Marvel Wikipedia and you're like, oh my gosh, and you just see all the connections, mm -hmm. and you're like, they know what they're doing. Oh yeah, I mean, everyone that said anything bad about Phase 4 not being connected, like you said, these are all little pieces of the puzzle that are slowly coming together, and when we sit back and look at the whole saga in two or three years from now, it's going to look like a complete picture at that point, for sure. Um, the only thing I wanted to say about the Multiverse Madness, what was it? Oh, back to um, when he might appear again. Like He could end up being kind of like captain marvel was in between um mm. infinity war and endgame and being like popping up when everything's kind of gone by the wayside and he has to then fix the pieces because remember feige said right before his movie came out he's kind of like taking on the leadership like tony stark role i don't think he's going to lead the avengers i think that's going to be more sam wilson or someone else maybe but i think he is going to be like the mentor like I mean, we've lost some of our you know og avengers and dr strange is going to be I like that linchpin between Infinity Saga and Multiverse Saga for sure. I, I, I do agree. It's, it's going to be interesting and exciting to see how it all plays out, especially with Strange, because I do think Strange being one of the final key players of the main original saga, he is going to be sought out for leadership in many ways. Mm -hmm. Anything else on that before we move on to our next show? Oh, no, I'm ready for the next one. I had a feeling you were. I teased it a little bit with our Mutant song, but yes. we are heading now into... Um, Miss Marvel, which I think premiered around June or July this year, and it was a lot of fun. It, from episode one on, um, I know it's one of your favorites, so JG, start us off. What stood out to you about Miss Marvel Comic-Con? Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, this show is probably one of the biggest surprises in media that I've ever watched. Um, I always will remember us talking about going into this, um, because we do have that positive mindset. We always go in with a very you know, we're going to constructively critique it, but we know we're going to go into, especially knowing with it, like we were hearing about the rating was going to be younger, it's going to be more accessible to younger viewers. Uh, maybe this is more geared to like, 
maybe not even like you know us being guys like maybe this is gonna be more specifically for young teenage you know girls even and so you know we had all that going in you know of course we're gonna watch it we're marvel fans we do a podcast like yeah we want to get all the story and i will never forget watching that first episode uh which is even crazy like it's making my eyes well a little bit which is wild to think um just watching that and watching her and her family and her and Bruno, her and Nakia, just all these characters and how they were able to, in that first episode, really capture us with the unique cinematography and how they did like the texting on the screen, um, the vivid colors, the different culture, um, the fact that we're able to see um, this family um, with a religion that was just not super dominant in, in America. It was just so eye-opening and shocking how endearing and how well made this was to the point where it still amazes me that there are people like people I would consider diehard Marvel fans who have not watched this because of the fact that it's geared for younger audiences when in fact there's moments in this thing where I'm like I don't know if it's meant for like I don't know like if I had like if I was watching with a kid I could probably watch it with my eight or ten year old but there might be parts where it might be if, if they were sensitive I might be covering their eyes like they're it's heavy. It can be very heavy. And I think it's just such a relatable story. I could go on and on and on. And I probably will go on and on. But Steven, what did you feel about this show? Oh, I almost second everything you just mentioned. I think Mon Valani is perfectly cast. I think she is one of my favorite actresses for the way she performed it. This is one of her first ever roles and she just knocked it out of the park. She, um, and when they showed that behind the scenes documentary, the inside Marvel, whatever it's called, um, she like dressed up as you know miss marvel years earlier for halloween like this is i mean it's just so perfectly cast and i was just i love her enthusiasm like the way that she has kevin feige's number and just messages him at all <laughs> hours of the night i just think she is like like us and the people that are watching this and listening she is a super fan and i don't know if everyone that's hired by marvel to act is a super fan or some of them are but i think she is probably out of all the marvel um, current cast members, she is probably the biggest Marvel fan. And she's going to take her knowledge and she's going to apply it when she's on the screen. And I cannot wait to see her um, in just a few short months. And we haven't even got a trailer for it yet. Hopefully by the Super Bowl we will. But I'm so excited for the Marvels. I'm so excited to see her and her family again. Like, I have to admit too, as a history teacher, I knew so little about Partition. And like the way that they, first of all, you know, brought it up. Such an important event in world history that has been i think for you and i in you know western culture not exposed to as much and again that that's, i wish i would have learned more about it growing up and so i think the show like from that moment on when they first teased it i ended up doing my own homework and teaching myself about it so like i have to give credit to the show because it taught me as a history teacher something really important that i can then share with my students and tied into the curriculum here as well and so like it did more than just entertain me it actually taught me something and I love when a show or movie can do that, you know, when it ties in with real history as well. But man, the whole cast, how many, e like, all the Easter eggs I complained I didn't get with Moon Knight, I got every single episode with this show. From Scott Lang's podcast to the whole <laughs> Avengers Con, which, how have they not announced that yet? I don't know. Right. Man, oh, it's so much fun. That is, that's one, I think, probably would be the first one I would go back to rewatch from last year. I have watched it. Uh, I've watched it five times in full at this point. And 
you you and I talk all the time. You haven't mentioned that. When have you found time to do that? Well, I watched it like a second time after it finished, and then I watched it with my family, and then I just watch it here and there. Like it's just it's such easy thing to put on for me. Like it is it is that comfort soup. It is that I just I love this show so much. I I I, I just I don't even have words. It's just so special. It is that perfect coming of age story. It is. Um, so relatable to so many different people because I think we can all see ourselves in uh, Kamala and, and, and the character that she represents um, in so many different ways you know, that struggle with the parents and growing um, no matter how old you are and when and, mm -hmm. and all that like it's just it's I think one of the most relatable things that Marvel has ever made and it I also think that not only that, but I think it had probably one of the biggest reveals in all of Marvel this year uh, with that final three minutes of the final episode. Yeah. I mean, there's two big reveals there. First, that she's a mutant. Yep. And secondly, that little post credit scene where, boom, yeah. we've got Captain Marvel. And I think I was so caught off of guard at first, I'm thinking, she shapeshift into her? Like, what's going <laughs> on? But no, they actually swap places. And now I feel like, I mean, it's going to probably be in the first act of the movie that's going to happen from Carol Danvers' point of view. I'm thinking it's going to start with her, probably. But I'm like, yeah. wow, like, it's going to be so amazing. Um, I, I don't think there's anything else on Disney Plus has ever made me from every single episode from start to finish just have a full smile on my face because like I'm sitting there just enjoying every second of it. It has my undivided attention. My phone's down. Like I'm just like so engrossed in the story and the, the humor and the ah, it's it was such a great show. It, it, it really was. And all the characters are just fantastic. You know, we've talked about it before, but I'm so excited for the Marvels because, you know, yeah, we're going to get all these amazing characters, but we're also going to get her family. Her family is coming to the big screen. Like, that is going to be awesome. And I know that conversation with Captain uh, Marvel is going to be hilarious. I can already imagine her dad just saying the most hilarious, like, oh, did you just come off of one of her posters or something? Like, you know, it's going to be so silly and just such a great time. And I can't wait now. You know, we've got this full evolution and I know people talked about how the show how it started out with like that really fun whimsical vibe where even i think you can see it in the text messages where we're seeing like the text messages are on the wall they're in the neon and such but then you get to the point where she's on the phone and she's going overseas on the window it's just a regular iphone message it's she's growing and maturing and i'm excited to see where that takes her in the marvels and how she's going to evolve just like how a lot of our characters have moved on and now they've passed the baton on there will come a point, whether it's the end of this saga, at some point in the next saga, Captain Marvel is going to pass the baton on to Miss Marvel, and Miss Marvel will be taking that that leadership role. Yeah, and we've talked a lot on this podcast in the past, and it hasn't been announced yet, but we have so many people that could be a part of a Young Avengers crew, and like we're bringing in all of these cast members that are in that are in their twenties or late teens, and they have a full career in life ahead of them. I don't expect them to show up every single year in a project like Tom Holland did for a couple of years at a time, but I would love to see them, you know, every couple of years bring come back to these characters and see where they're at for sure. I also have to say one last thing about Miss Marvel. How one of the other things I really liked that I think a lot of the shows and movies maybe haven't done as much of is every episode she kind of got a piece of her costume, so it wasn't just mm -hmm. like you know it all came together and like the fact that it ended up with her mom helping her make it and stuff like it all tied back together like her oh yeah like. I really just liked her, like you said, development as a character, how she grew. Now when we do see the movie, and I, I do hope when the movie comes out, the Mar Miss Mar the Marvels, that it does cause the people who skipped out on the show 
go back and get to know her because I think they're going to fall in love with her in the theater if they didn't give her a chance on the, you know, Disney Plus screen. Even think about, I mean, we're not, it's it's not Miss Marvel, but think about like Monica Rambeau. I think the Marvels is going to be, you know, how we saw that, you know, WandaVision was such a key part of Doctor Strange Multiverse Madness. The Marvels have two shows going into it and that's going to be, and heck, we don't even know if maybe even Secret Invasion, the big crossover event, could even play into that too, because potentially that could come out before, more than likely will come out before. So hmm. there's potentially three three TV show events that lead into this movie. And I do think from what we saw in Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness, they can give you a quick summary in like five minutes. But why just get the quick granola bar when you can sit down and have a three course meal and enjoy time with these characters if we count nick fury as a lead which i think we should because i think there's a couple leads in this movie so you're saying that three out of the four leads everyone except captain marvel their origin stories or their background has been on disney plus and so like you said if you're if you're not getting that you're you're gonna be kind of left in the dust a little bit because you now have the vast majority of your main characters besides captain marvel who have had huge character growth and huge developments that you've missed out on if you skip out on this on those shows. So I hope even if you do miss out on them, go back and watch them after the movie. That way, think of it like a prequel, I guess. I agree. Mm-hmm. We went from that super super lovable story, something that really shocked all of us, to another film that shocked us, but maybe in different ways. Uh, probably what I think we could probably both agree is one of the most split received project of the year. Thor Love and Thunder, a film that I think a lot of people really dug and really enjoyed. And a lot of people kind of want to look the other way. It's a film that is full of love and literal love and heartbreak and so much comedy. But then it also, like I said, has so much action and comedy and really over-the-top comedy uh, to the point where I think some people would say that it takes Ragnarok and goes another 10 levels up. Steven, where do you fall on the spectrum? I think this is one of the films that we really haven't talked too much about. So uh, from this point on, it's going to be really interesting to see where these conversations go. But Thor, Love and Thunder, how did you feel about this one? Yeah, going into it, I was very excited because I loved Ragnarok and I still do. I was hoping for this to be like Ragnarok 2.0. And maybe it was, but on the way I wanted it to be. I um I think if I had to pick one project that I was maybe the most disappointed in, even though I still try to find the good in everything, it would have probably been Love and Thunder. Um, it has moments in it that I love, but it, I think I left with a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth. And something I never do, like I have a couple of you know, friends that have small kids and they have a hard time getting out to the movie theater. And so usually I tell them, oh, you got to go see this in theaters. This was one that I said, you could probably wait till Disney Plus. And I usually don't mm. say that. So like just thinking about that bothers me a little bit. But like when I think about the highlights, though, I have to say like, Seeing Jane Foster back and seeing her as a character as Mighty Thor, great. I liked, I really liked God, uh, God Butcher. Um, what was his name? Gore. Gore. I liked his character and I want to see more of him. And like, I think my favorite scenes dealt with like when Valkyrie and Mighty Thor and Thor were fighting him on that like black and white, you know, dimension. I wanted more of that, I guess. Mm, the humor didn't always hit with me the way it maybe should have. But, um, I need to rewatch it. This is one that I did not rewatch. I think I need to... It's probably going to be similar to The Eternals. I didn't love The Eternals as much as I wanted to the first time I watched it, but I've watched it two other times since, and I've really grown on it. It's grown on me. And I think this will do the same thing, maybe not to the same extent as The Eternals. Have you rewatched uh, Love and Thunder, or where where do you stand again? Remind me. 
Yeah, so I actually have been thinking about recently where I was like, I need to put this movie on again. I need to rewatch it because uh, I haven't seen it since. Um, I've only seen it once in theaters. And it's a weird film where I really, I don't even, to this day, it's still hard to kind of place where I feel. Because I really don't hate this movie. I don't even dislike this movie. I don't really have anything too negative to say about this movie. I didn't walk out super satisfied like I have felt with other projects, though. I will say that I laughed a ton. My friend and I, we laughed a lot. We, we kept hitting each other. We, we were probably those obnoxious people where you're like, shut up! But yeah, um, I definitely had fun with the comedy. Comedy worked for me. Um, the tragedy element, it just, it felt like a great 80s love ballad. Um, it was an 80s rock song. And um, I will take anything with more Jane in it and that whole story and that whole evolution. Uh it, it just, it's it's hard to explain because I still don't even, which is the reason why I really wanted to watch it again, is that I don't fully know where I need to, where I land on it. I know that it's probably a little bit higher than good, you know, like if, if we're putting on a scale of like one to five, it's probably like a 3.5-ish, but it's hard for me to explain why it's on a 3.5. It just, it felt okay to me. It felt nothing spectacular, but nothing, like it didn't feel... It wasn't Morbius to me. No, and I wanted it to be closer to the four, four and a half range because to kind of get rid of the naysayers of that I've been bashing a little bit on phase four. I wanted it to be like not give them something else to add to their ammunition a little bit. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I think it's something you and I could both rewatch in the next couple of weeks and kind of look at. I really, I'm surprised Jane was killed and not you know, Chris Hemsworth Thor, after his arc has been so developed, like he said before, and he was kind of taking a break from acting, I mean, I'm sure we'll see him again at some point, and the fact that Love is played by his actual daughter, who's again someone that could be a young Avenger because of how young she is and I know it's not, I mean, he, he's raising him, her like his daughter, right, at the yeah. end of the movie so, I do want to see where their story goes, I think she'll be a little bit older by the time we see them again in another movie together, but I really hope it's not the end of Mighty Thor Jane Foster, because only having one movie for her was shocking. Like, I really thought so much of Phase 4 was about kind of passing the torch to the new characters. And this one was looked like it was going to do that. And then it subverted our expectations and it kept Thor in power. And maybe he's going to pass to Love at some point. I don't know. But, I, I mean, with the post credit scene in Valhalla, we, I mean, that could be the plot of Thor 4 with Hercules somehow involved too, right? Yeah, I think they're not done. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think they're done with uh, Mighty Thor yet if she's not done with Mighty Thor. I think that's probably one of the most genius post-credit scenes we got and probably the one of the most clever because in one side of the coin, it gives us the ending. It gives us a happy, satisfying ending. She's gone through the fight. She's picked up the hammer, uh, but she now um, has that happy ending. She's in Valhalla, but she there is stories that have been told that she, you know, could make her way back into, you know, out of Ahala, back into Earth, back into the uh, living realm. And, you know, maybe this whole thing with Hercules and Thor is, is raising love and all that happens. Maybe Hercules kills Thor or something. I think Hercules eventually is good, though, so I'm not sure how that always how that goes. There's quite a few characters coming up that are bad who become good. Um... Maybe something happens to Thor, and it's actually then going to be Mighty Thor who takes his place. Um, I think that'd be kind of a nice role reversal. Um, and she can 
literally pick up the hammer and keep going for him. Um, while still, because she could still be young, still be part of the Young Avengers, um, move forward in that, to then eventually when we get to a point when Love could then take Mighty Jane's, or Mighty Thor's place. Um, I, I think it can go either way. I think it's, I think the ball is literally in Natalie Portman's court. If Natalie Portman wants to come back, she can. If not, then her story's done. Yeah, I don't know the details, but I have a feeling she probably signed on just for this movie right now. And I, I have a feeling she probably had fun with it. Because remember that one time when Taika asked her about coming on to a Star Wars movie, and she's like, well, I already played Padme, but thanks for the <laughs> offer. So I feel like Taika probably made the set fun for her. I don't I don't think Taika will be back if they do a fifth one. I think Chris Hemsworth has said that just like the first two had their kind of tone, three and four had their tone. I think if he comes back, he does want to, you know, bring something different to the character, maybe like an old man, old like King Thor almost, like an older version uh, maybe a couple years from now. So I don't think, I think it'll get a different director, different take. But yeah, I, I hope that she comes back. I, I'd i be dis- almost a little bit disappointed if that's the only time we see Mighty Thor. Oh. Yeah. Who, uh, while you're on that, while we're on that small little train here real quick, who directed, because I actually haven't seen it, which probably I should add, uh, part of our multiverse. Um, who directed, uh, if you know, Logan? Do you know? James Mangold, who is directing Indiana Jones 5. Oh, well, I what I was thinking was because of the old, whole old man vibe. I think that'd be pretty interesting. Um, he's oh, in cool. the he's in the Disney family. You you have not seen Logan, right? No. Okay, that's something we need to, to watch maybe together before um, Wolverine and Deadpool's adventure. Yes, yes, definitely. Oh, I think that's a good movie. Not just a comic book movie. That's a great movie. Like, I've heard it's, it's a good the vibe. movie. It's very good. All right. Um. I guess it's my turn. So yes. we are now moving into some shorts, I think, which are some of the first shorts we've yes. had in a long time. And these were called I Am Groot. There were five of them. And they came out this summer, I think around August. And basically, I think one of them takes place between Guardians 1 and 2 on our timeline. And the other four take place between Guardians 2 and when we see Teenage Thor, in, or Teenage Groot while well, in um, <laughs> Infinity War. So I only watched these once. I don't know how many times you've watched them, but uh, any memories stand out to you about these little shorts and maybe what other shorts do you want to see Disney Plus work on? Yeah, I remember just watching these and just being delighted. They're short, they're quick, you know, definitely geared towards that younger age, but, you know, you could definitely get some good stuff from it. The animation is super incredible. Uh, We are going to be getting more I Am Groot shorts. Uh, You know, I'm just, they're fine. You know, they're great. They're, They're light. There were something good to wake up to in one morning, have some coffee, and watch them. Um, you know, like I said, they're they're definitely geared more for that younger audience, but um, can find something enjoyable out of all of them. Uh, I remember the last one being pretty emotional, pretty heavy, but um, really, it was overall pretty fun. Baby Groot walked so that Grogu could run. You know, you don't <laughs> get Grogu without Baby Groot first. But um, yeah, they were fun. They were, I, yeah, I mean, I think. It looks so much like they were filmed, but I think they were like mostly computer generated. Right? They're animated. Yep. Everything the sets. There's no sets. There's no sets. It's animated. It looks so real, didn't it? Yeah, very like real. Maybe with the volume almost like it looked like like the movies. It didn't mm-hmm. look like an animation at all. Like it didn't have a style. Like it looked at the same style as a live action thing. So, um, it was it was well done. It was cute. I mean. Rocket showed up in one of them or two of them, didn't he? Yeah, it was like towards the last one, I think, because he was like trying to get all the items together and make the 
he's doing making something. It ends up being like part of the post credit scene or something. But yeah, oh, that's right. I think my favorite one again. I don't remember all the details. Was one where that like um like shadow version of Groot and the dance off. Mm. I think that was my favorite one. I don't know something like that was fun. I remember the one with. And they were making new ones. When did that come out? Uh, they had talked about that. I do believe during the whatever had that animation panel. Oh yeah. Okay. Whether That's that good. was at D twenty three or and or uh, whatever it was, San Diego mm-hmm. Comic Con, whenever they had that animation panel. Yeah, if you're doing it that animation style, I mean, it still had the it didn't have an opening fanfare, but they zoomed it fast forward, right? Yeah. So, I mean, any product I think that comes out with that fanfare gets an extra boost of like credibility in Marvel's mm-hmm. eyes, right? Oh yeah. And so I wonder, like, future products getting ahead of myself, like if X Men ninety seven is going to have that or whatever, but. I think they will it's marvel studios but anyhow um i i wonder if what other products they could do to make it look that lifelike i mean with animation there like groot obviously is fit for that and so is rocket i don't know because you can't really do that you can still do shorts with the actors but nothing yeah. in animation like that yeah i really don't know if there's anything else that they have right now that we would know that would fit into that pretty well i think being the fact that he does he is a plant he's a tree and like has that kind of natural living uh, element to him, it really blends for them to do that really lifelike animation style. Yeah, so hopefully we'll get some more of Groot soon. Yep. Uh, We're supposed to get, I think out. they said that they're going to do another batch of five, so um, I don't think they said when, but we're getting another batch of five. So Would you have preferred split up over five weeks, like Forky asked a question, or were you fine just binging it for 20 minutes? Uh, Forky asked a question is one of the most underrated things on Disney Plus. I will say that since we have the topic. Um, but I am Groot. I'm fine with it being all at once. It, it's it's fine because it's they're only like three four minutes at most. So it's like, am I do I really want to wait like a whole week to watch something that's three four minutes? It, it 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 for that it doesn't matter too much. I'm okay with it being all in one day. Okay, sounds good. Yep. Uh, we went from one green to another green, and we went into the courtroom with She-Hulk, attorney at law, which was maybe the spiciest show of the MCU. Um, maybe the spiciest uh, Marvel property we've had. Uh, She-Hulk was definitely also another one that hit the socials in many ways, um, to the point where actually, you know, past uh, social media comments probably made it into the show. So... Yeah, Steven, what are your thoughts about the show that was uh, definitely having a lot of conversations over the weeks that it was on the air? Yeah, I I, I loved it. I really did. I had fun with it. Um, I don't think it was my favorite show of the year, but it was definitely one that I looked forward to each week. Um, I loved her breaking the fourth wall, which was one of the first times we've seen that in Marvel product, besides Deadpool, I guess. I liked liked her you know i'm glad they did the origin story early because originally they were going to push it later in the season i loved seeing bruce and her together like the cgi looked looked good i, I didn't have a problem with it i mean i know it'll keep getting better each time we see her but i liked it i liked the story um like humor you know bringing in daredevil like there's so many things i liked about it and i really really liked the finale and that was one that was so controversial and i feel like you and me and a few of my buddies who are big Marvel fans and follow the MCU, who know who Kevin Feige is. Most people who listen to this know who Kevin Feige is. They like the finale. It was very, like in the fourth wall, like she does in the comics, it was very 
taking all these references to things that we follow when we talk about Marvel on the on the uh, podcast. And I feel like even family of mine who um, don't follow that, didn't know Kevin Feige is, they really hated the finale. I'm like, what do you mean? I like, I really hyped it up to them. I'm like, it's such a good finale. So yeah, I think it was a surprise hit and I want to see her again soon. I want to see Daredevil again soon. I want to see all the characters again soon. It was, it was fun. What did you think about it? Steven, I'm surprised you haven't told me the best thing that came out of the MCU this year. Madison. Oh my the gosh. The best thing. Like, come oh. on now. Like, yes, we've had fantastic, heartbreaking stories. We've had comic. We've coming of age. But She-Hulk gave us one of the best. Hmm. I wouldn't even call her a secondary character. She's almost like, like, a, like a, I guess, a C character. But I mean, maybe a secondary is fair because she does get a lot of screen time. But one of the best out of nowhere, a character that should not work, probably doesn't work, but works in, in so many ways. And a character that you and I reference all the time. Uh-huh. And I have never wanted a character that, for the mo- in the most respectful way possible, really does not matter to the story of the MCU and what they're telling. But my gosh, I want more Madison. And all of the energy that she brings. Oh, I want her and Wongers to get a spinoff yesterday. <laughs> they, oh, or did you put them on as a? Oh, you know I did. Oh, they've already got my vote. Sorry, spoiler alert. But um, she was so much fun. Like she was in probably three or four scenes in the whole episode she was in, and I, I actually that same day rewound and watched her scenes, just her scenes again because she stole the show. That actress is perfect. Yes. Like, she needs to just keep popping up in the MCU. I don't care where. I. It would be such a disservice if we never see her again because she was... She stole the show. And I think when I looked on social media that week, she was definitely a positive vibe on there, right? Oh, my gosh. She was trending. She was interacting with fans. It was... there were The people who were really diving into the show, enjoying the show, and accepting the show for what it was embraced her and i hope because of that i hope like we had talked about uh, i think this is a very this could be a very similar situation to agatha where i think maybe they didn't have plans for this character down the road but because of the reaction from the fans the marvel studios takes a step back and they react and they say oh you know we can maybe do something with her she like she is a perfect character for a special. Give me, you know, next year, like, let's maybe not do Guardians. Let them have a break because you know, we could talk about what they tease there with that. I mean, let's do Wongers and Madison take a trip to, like, New York City. You know, we got the West Coast la- or this year or last year. Let's go to the East Coast and let's do Wongers and Madison in New York City. Maybe they're trying to visit, like, all the famous stops of a, of a, of a show that takes place in New York City. Like... Again, this character should not work, and I just, I don't know, it just makes me smile so much. Um, it's just so much fun. And I, and, I, and I think that's what the show really shines in, in, in so many ways, is that it has fun. It, it makes fun of itself. It makes fun of Marvel. Marvel mm. making fun of itself, knowing its flaws, its faults, and also kind of making fun of the jerks on the internet along the way, which I think every once in a while they do need a good call out. Um, I think the show was billed as a comedy and it was a comedy all the way from start to finish. Um, my goodness, Daredevil doing the walk of shame. 
was I probably have never turned that red watching a Marvel show in a hot minute, but I was in tears. Oh, it was so good. Like just we knew Daredevil was going to pop up and we'd just seen him um, in Spider-Man in one scene, you know, as a really good lawyer. <laughs> and so I was waiting and waiting and they kind of kept pushing it back. And it was towards the end of the season when he shows up, man, his episode against whatever leapfrog or whoever it was, yeah. was so good. Like he's wearing his original comic, you know, red and yellow, which I don't care for that costume, but I, it's a pro- progression. We're going to keep seeing him grow. And like, I'm hoping Echo comes out this year because I want to see him and Fisk again. I want to see his story yeah. continue. And you have plenty of time to go back and watch the rest of his Defender Saga story. Yep, still working on that. Because, man, I don't know if it's a multiverse, whatever, we don't know, but it's just just seeing him back. Like, he's someone, I remember actually when Daredevil got canceled, and the third season is great, and I'm like, how'd they cancel that because of the contract stuff? And I remember, like, he was such an actor that, like, I think took it personally and, like, but didn't, like, make a big deal about it. But then when he, they, there was that phantom that kept, it was the Save Daredevil campaign, and they kept pushing online, and man, did it work out for him, and hopefully more of the actors as well. Um, I cannot wait to see him again. And, um, yeah, that was a great episode, and just a great in- reintroduction to his character, for sure. Yeah, and we also got, we like, this show also, along with the wonderful Madison and even Daredevil, we also got incredible characters like Pug, and also uh, her friend, I can't even think of um, her friend, I can't think of it right now. It is, uh, it's escaping my mind. But yes, her friend, her bestie, Nikki. Nikki? Mm-hmm, Nikki, yep. Yes, came to me finally. Um, we got Titanio. Oh my gosh. She's she's out there. She's crazy. Uh, I think Titania is done. I don't think we will see Titania anymore in the future. Um, I'd be surprised if we did. Um, I mean, she still could have a backstory with Kang that's in the comics and everything, but... Don't I don't know. I think I could see her somewhere else. I do want to see Abomination again too. Like, he left it off with Wong breaking him out. Yeah. Um, I mean that was a cool you know continuation because we haven't seen Blonsky since 2008 Incredible yeah. Hulk. Like, I have a feeling like even if Hulk still can't get a movie, I mean, you give She-Hulk a movie and like bring in a lot of the Hulk villains and Bruce Banner that way and loophole it maybe, or do you just kind of keep doing these different you know, Hulk appearances and like bringing back you know. Th- Thunderbolt Ross has a huge role. There's yeah. rumors that um, Betty Ross is going to come back at some point. So, I don't know. I mean, I just want to see. I want to see Jennifer's story continue. I like. I thought she's just so like adorable as a character. Like, when she was out on those blind dates, and I'm thinking, who could not have a good time talking to her? Like, she's so cute and adorable. Like, I just would love to get to know Jennifer Walters. I don't care about She-Hulk. I mean, I would like to know She-Hulk too, but Jennifer as a person and um, um, the actress, Ali Mussolini, what's her name? Yeah, she is just she was just so talented. Like she and um, Amal Vellani, they both kind of stole every scene they were in because they just have such compassion. And Jennifer talks right to you, so you're like, yes. okay, I feel like I'm right there in the show with her. Yeah, there's a certain moment. The writing is very clever, very on the nose. It's just it's so perfect. Uh, in regards to Hulk. I think we are going to get a Hulk special or movie because we have the his son that got introduced. One of the big endings of that um, finale, you know, along we've had all the crazy, obviously, Kevin and everything. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we got his son. I forget his son's name. It's Is it Scar? That's Yep, that yep. sounds right. Yeah. So that story um, yeah. is to be told. 
the son didn't say anything and when jennifer or when she all talked to kevin didn't she say save his son for the movie or something like that yeah he made some kind of comment um yeah i don't know where it's gonna go next i i'm glad that even though we've retired and killed off a few of the og avengers that bruce that um hulk that that bruce hulk and thor and hawkeye are still around um yeah i, I want to see kind of where his story goes from here I don't know if he's going to, like, Hulk out again, like World War Hulk or whatever they got <laughs> planned, but I hope we get some updates soon. But it sounds like Mark Ruffalo is still in it to play for a while. Yeah. Oh, we also got a comment at some point. When was it about the different actors for the Hulk? Oh, oh that did happen. He, um, Blonsky says you're like a whole new man or something, right? Yes. <laughs> All those inside jokes, that's what I'm here for. Because, again, to someone that doesn't follow it as religiously as you and I do, it might just go right over their head. Yep. If you and I invest our time, we get the payoff, and it's so nice. Yes, I, I definitely agree. And I, I even like with uh, the Kevin interaction and everything, I love breaking through the Disney Plus screen. Like, she breaks through the comic pages. It was a great, like, modern adaptation of that. I love um, this, the little references to the the x-men and she's like oh, i'm trying for you guys and just uh-huh. all those and then like oh the uh we need you to change off screen back to jennifer because it's going to cost too much our editors are working on the next film you hear the wakanda, wakanda. drums like just it was such a really just fun oh. show and i think a lot of fan just like with miss marvel i think a lot of fans some fans just kind of threw this out based off of like judging a book by its cover and you know what whether you like it or not she hulk is part of the mcu she's gonna show up a lot she's gonna probably be the next film or next project will more than likely be in uh the captain america movie if captain america is forming the avengers like it's being rumored that is where she's gonna show up next more than likely so which is next year if i if i remember correctly 2024 yeah yeah so I, i agree with you i think i do think captain america new world order and especially with leader being in it and thunderbolt ross it's going to be, in my opinion, more of like a Civil War type movie with a bunch of characters, yeah. which I feel a little bit bad for Anthony Mackie. He doesn't get like his own time to shine, yeah. but maybe he will in a, another movie at some point. I do think you kind of need this before you get ready for the next Avengers movie. You need to rebuild the team. Yeah. And he'll still have the title you know, of Captain America because he's going to be the one that's still the main character. Like Chris Evans and RDJ were kind of almost double build there for the civil war movie it almost should i don't know i it was still captain america's movie i guess yeah so i don't know i hope we see her again soon there um but yeah i loved the finale just it was so unique and original it was so it was just unlike anything i'd seen before and i think it just adds so much to um the mcu just that whole idea that all outside it's all inside that bubble that kevin is ruling you know i don't know i don't know how much they're gonna go back to that and they will again i don't know one final thought before we move to the next project uh i just figured out the perfect way to bring madison back in obviously the big connective tissue has been wong and obviously wong and madison are now besties um i do think that uh, how he's going captain america is going to form the new avengers is going to be through the assistance of wong and i think wong is going to be helping with the different characters and and madison's going to want to try to be an avenger and he's going to be like oh no 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 just watch watch the other like Mm -hmm. watch watch whatever show she's binging now or whatever like Mm -hmm. and she's going to try to so hard to become an avenger but she but he's like not not yet and i think that would be just such a funny moment i would love for her to like move to carmitage whether we see her you know Uh because like 
you know there's still more stories to be told with Kamatage. Like, I want to see that. I don't need them to, like, date or get married, which would, I would completely support. But <laughs> if she's his best friend forever, and they are, like, roomies, I am so for it. Like, I want the two of them. Like, give them, you know, the I am Groot. Like, make a little short. I don't care. Oh like, my you can gosh. do so much in a three or four minute short with the two of them. Well, speaking of speaking of that place, like you, you, there are quite a few characters there that are quite interesting. Um, we also have um, we have America Chavez that's there. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have because we didn't we actually didn't talk too much about America Chavez, but she's not where be... Abomination went to. Yeah, and also Wong is there, and presumably Madison's coming over for uh, TV show nights. So there's a lot of characters there, which is interesting because it was you know destroyed or very heavily damaged by the Scarlet Witch, so obviously they're in rebuilding, but it makes me wonder if, you know, it's not the last time we see that place. We have quite a few players there. Now, in Phase 1, Phil Coulson was the connective tissue, and it ended with his death. Wong has definitely been connective <laughs> tissue that. in Phase 4. <laughs> Would we be worried at all going into the next couple movies or not with Wong? Yes, ab- absolutely. He's the move. He's the character that dies, like, He's a character that, like, King kills to really piss everyone off. Like, uh, yeah, Wong, Wong is not making it out of this phase. No, he's not. Or oh, out, of this, gotta... out of this saga. Out of the saga. saga, yeah. Yeah. Then you end the saga in a post credit scene, and you bring in a variant of Wong, played by Benedict Wong, and you start it all over again. For Madison, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Within two ends and one Y, but not where you think. Yes, exactly. All right. So, kind of switching gears then to something very unique and original. I think Marvel's worst kept secret, because we have been talking <laughs> about it for over a year now. Yes. Was a Michael Giacchino's directorial debut for a short film in Werewolf by Night, the very first and not the last of Marvel's special presentations. As a horror lover like myself, JG. We're excited for this one. Talk to me. Werewolf by Night. What were your thoughts? This was such a fun project because this was like one of those things where it kind of felt good to be really like following all the news and being really nerdy, having a podcast and everything. Because I think it's been, I felt like since before this thing came out, I feel like I've known this for like 18 months that this thing was coming out. And but like Marvel never announced it until Disney Pl- or until uh, D23. And so for like 18 months, I kept telling people, like, oh, we're getting Halloween special, we're getting Werewolf by Night. But they're like, what are you talking about? It's never been announced. Or like, there's no way. Like, what's Werewolf by Night? And I'm like, it's coming. Just trust me. Like, we talked about it so many times on the podcast. We included it on the Marvel Casties ballot for last year. Like, it was one of those projects where, like, I knew this thing was coming out and I did not care what anyone else was going to tell me. And my gosh, that thing came out and it is probably up there for probably one of the most beloved things that came out this year. I think it surprised many people, especially fans, people who aren't into horror per se um, and gave it a shot because of the fact that it is an MCU project. This just short special is, is what it is. It's a special. And I love that they can kind of even more than a, we, we've given a lot of credit to the TV shows for taking risks because they don't have to worry about losing the money on the big screen. I think this even more so because it's, it's 50 minutes okay, this 50 minutes, it didn't work out. Like, yeah, that sucks. Like, man, we wish we would have the fan support, but you can you can make that risk. And my goodness, we got a black and white special. It was 
kind of graphic and it was scary and it was just super 30s and vibes. It was someone who's never directed something before. And now it was just announced the other day that he's going to be having his first um, feature film. Like, this was one of my favorite things of the year. Um, it is something you can easily watch. I think a lot of fans can kind of find enjoyment in it from even younger audiences who it kind of has a Hunger Games kind of vibe or like a, a Battle Royale, which is super popular nowadays. And so I think this was a really, a really strong choice, a bold, daring risk, but a strong choice for a first special. 100%. It really built out a different corner of the MCU into the monsters element. And like the fact that, you know, Werewolf and Elsa Bloodstone and Man-Thing are now characters that can pop up anywhere, including their, you know, Werewolf by Night and Man-Thing showed up on that artwork for that new ride in um, Avengers Campus out in California. Like, these are characters that I cannot wait to see how they pop up next. Like, I really would love every Halloween to get a Marvel special presentation of different characters, like do a Ghost Rider, do, um, you know, a way to introduce maybe some Blade characters and before his movie, like, it's so, it's it's really, I hope, I hope these, you know, this darker, you know, scarier side, the horror elements continue to build upon each other, make a different corner for MCU for sure. And like you said, I, I would hate for some of the shows that have been announced to be demoted in a way to a, a special presentation. But at the same time, it's kind of like a, a half of a movie. It's just a short movie. And I think you can make them events. I really do. I would hate to not have as many shows as we do, but if they're going for quality over quantity, they could and I'd be okay with that if that's what they decide to do um, because it's an event to look forward to and it's like, here's the problem I've mentioned it before I have not had time to sit down and rewatch a lot of the shows or really any of the shows like I can easily rewatch a one episode you know special presentation more often than I could a six or seven hours TV show so I'm fully in support of it I really I liked how at the end it came back into color and kind of felt, it, it, like it always felt like it was part of the MCU but making it color now i think they could easily pop up anywhere now i guess without that black and white versus color differentiation very wizard um, of the oz yeah. yeah that was nice did it have a post-credit scene it did not oh. i want more i think her name the the main girl was El elsa i believe elsa bloodstone, bloodstone. bloodstone. Mm -hmm. um she is another kick butt uh character that i just i cannot wait um man thing was also incredible they're all they're all awesome but i just i loved her personality and just had like it almost reminds me for the star wars fans out there a little like dr afra kind of so i mm. really enjoyed her and i would love i think she could show up with someone like um uh a dane in the eternals mm. i think that would be a cool pairing to see those two. Oh yeah i think I think they're smart to introduce and test out these characters. Mm. Here's the thing. If this movie, this short, would have bombed, I wouldn't have seen these characters again. And they were still in the universe, but see you later. Because I think it was successful and because, you know, fans latched onto it. I'm hearing rumors that they're working on maybe one or two Halloween specials for this year. I'd be fine with that. Like, do one early October, do one late October. Um, and again, it's kind of like less money, less, less commitment, but you can test out a bunch of characters and again, like I said at the beginning of the episode, I want to see this MCU completely with as many characters as possible to make it a full lived-in universe. Um, anything else on Werewolf by Night? Nope. It is it is perfection. It is, in my book, it's 5 out of 5. It's so good. It was a lot of fun.
All right. And now we head into uh, the final movie of the year, uh, Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Um, this movie, yeah, we talked a lot about this movie on this podcast. You know, we went into it with, um, would we even see this film? You know, there was a lot of questions about this film. It had a lot going on uh, with everything with Chadwick and just, yeah. Um, Steven, uh, probably, probably one of the more universally loved films of the year. What were your thoughts about this one? This is kind of surprising. Like it was such an important movie, but we were on our hiatus for the past couple of months. We didn't do our typical pre-show, our non-spoiler and then our spoiler. Like we, this is one of the only movies while we've been doing the podcast, we haven't sat down to talk about till now. And uh, I, I apologize for that, but I'm glad we can talk about it tonight a little bit, but, um, yeah, I, I, I have to give it credit. If there was something on the Marvel Casties for Best trailer, this would have won Best Trailer. That teaser, they sh that was one of the best teasers I've ever oh seen. Oh, my gosh. Movie. Like, it was perfect with the no, no Woman, No Cry song. I downloaded that song immediately. Like, it was just, that was, I was in tears watching that trailer back at um, SDCC last year. And nothing for the promotion topped that leading up to it. Um, You know, I really dug it. I really... I had a really bad movie experience um, that I'll share real quickly, and I think that played into how I, how maybe I didn't get to enjoy it and have the emotional impact I wanted to have. But um, you and I had, you had bought tickets, and I, uh, we were planning on going, you and I, to uh, Dolby to see it together. And and um, I, my son was sick at the time, and I think it was the first Marvel movie I had missed um, a Thursday night premiere for in years. But I needed to take care of him, so I was busy and preoccupied Thursday, Friday. I'd avoided spoilers. Like this movie, I was so excited for, and like I felt so bad missing the premiere with you because it was going to be our first Marvel movie together. I ended up going Saturday with a buddy of mine just to a local theater that is really not a good theater. It is walls are paper thin. You can hear the other screens sometimes. Like it's just a really bad theater, but it's just super convenient because it's like walkable to where I live almost. Um. And I went, it was a Saturday matinee, I think, or yeah, around three or four. And it was a pretty full theater, not not super, which I wanted it to be. But one guy started snoring from the moment the preview started and the lights went off. And he um, was snoring throughout the whole movie. And I was so fed up because I couldn't have my emotional reaction to the funeral at the beginning because all I was thinking of, am I going to listen to this guy? And I did. It was like a foghorn. And you and I, neither of us are very confrontational, but... Yeah. I actually had to say something because it was an hour and a half into the movie. It was a scene with um, Ross and Val talking to the you know other members of NSA or whatever. And I finally kind of shouted across the theater. I said, we didn't pay to hear you snore. And he shouted back. He, he had narcolepsy. And I'm thinking, why would you come to a movie theater on opening weekend with narcolepsy? And I hope he's not listening to this podcast because <laughs> he actually walked out. And I he, he, he said some not-so-nice words to my buddy who was sitting on the aisle. And I'm thinking... My, like, I was almost watching the exits the whole movie because I'm thinking, oh, this is not a good, this is, I shouldn't have said anything. But I'm like, at least I could listen to the second yeah. half of the movie without, but sorry, long rant over. Um, I just need to see it again with full sound on. Um, it's coming out Disney Plus in about less than a month now, February 1st. February 1st, I believe, yes. Yeah, but... So, so that that's my experience. I'll, I'll talk more about my thoughts in the future. You take over for a second. So was, you've only seen it once, correct? Okay. For some reason, I think you. Once or twice. Uh, well, twice. 
I thought you had make it, made it out a second time. Um, well, I'm very excited for you to be able to watch it, um, you know, with maybe just the, the snoring of your son, maybe. Um, <laughs> so, I still really enjoyed it, though. Like, it was mm, a great movie. I just wanted to – I didn't get to have the emotional reaction yeah. I wanted to have. No, it's very distracting. Like, one downside is that it's a little out of your control sometimes um, when you're in a full theater. But this film, this film, this film, oh, my goodness – I hope that everyone who went to saw this film had some tissues because holy crap, they start this film out and they go right for it. I think they found a way to do this film so gracefully. I don't think it's fair to judge it to the first film because this film had to do something whether it wanted to or not. It had to address the passing of this actor and this character. And I think it's one of the few if maybe the only times where genuinely I don't think we were watching people acting. I think we were generally seeing people grieving. I generally think we saw how people were reacting, people who were close to him, people who would call him legitimately brother. And those tears were real. That pain was real. Those screams were real. And I think that it's a film that just transcends on its own way. And I can see how that can be kind of off-putting for some people. Because it's, you know, you're making a film off of someone's death and all of that stuff that goes along with it. But I think from a storytelling perspective, from an acting and directing perspective, I think they handled it with so much poise and grace. Um, I think it's a pivotal film to end this phase. It's a pivotal film to set up what's to come in this saga, in this future sagas. Like you said, it's our third mutant, um, with probably more out there that we just don't realize are mutants. It's also revealing probably one of the most um, authentic and most exciting post credit scenes that we've seen. Um, with the re reveal, it's so weird for me to say it, like, I almost feel like I'm spoiling people, but, um, the reveal of, uh, T'Challa's son, T'Challa, um, this film is just beautiful in so many ways, and, uh, you know, there's obviously things that you can critique about it, like any film, but it almost feels wrong, too, in some way, because of just, this film was held back and had to do a specific mission, and I think they nailed it. Uh, they really... I, going into it, we were questioning how were they going to handle it, and like they handled it so respectfully. They, I think, part of me wanted to see going into the movie originally. I wanted to see the CGI Chadwick in the um, the afterlife or wherever the what's it called? Um, the ancestral plane. Yeah, I wanted to see him in there, and then when we got Killmonger instead, left the movie. I'm like, I'm actually glad they didn't. Yeah, because I think not seeing him besides a couple of images like of course at the fanfare was completely silent mm -hmm. for my story um and then and then at the end when they showed a couple of images including one from a deleted scene which was like a brand new look at him yeah i was so well done too like better than what i would have wanted originally because i realized you no know, you don't do like you needed first of all you need to do carrie fisher cgi to give her a proper send-off you yes. can't just kill her off screen um but you you didn't need that, and I think it might have been a touch disrespectful in the long run with Chadwick because it was so well done the way they handled it. Um, I loved meeting Riri. I loved meeting Ironheart. Yes. I mean, so much happened. It was a very long movie, but it, it yes. went fast. Like, 
Yes. You and I both saw Avatar, and that's a long movie that you feel is a long movie. Yes. Wakanda Forever was a little bit shorter, but, it, man, it kept moving. Like, every couple minutes, you're in a new place, you're in a new scene, underwater, you're in America, you're in Wakanda, you're here, you're there. I liked the, the pace of it. I really did. And I liked, um, you know, getting to meet Namor, and I'm hoping we continue to see the Atlanteans going forward. I mean, he's one of Marvel's earliest comic book characters back in 1962 and even earlier than that he was in the 40s and so like i've been reading a lot of old comics trying to get like caught up i'm i'll talk more about it on another episode because i know we're running late today but i've been reading a lot of namor because he popped up in fantastic mm -hmm. four he pops up in daredevil he pops up in avengers he's everywhere because he was like a he was a villain for the most part mm -hmm. up until this in the 60s at that point like i'm glad i had read a little bit about him before i saw the movie because it really helped me um kind of appreciate the character and i'm glad that He's finally here, and hopefully we'll see more of him soon, too. I agree. I think Riri was such a great addition because this movie was always going to have such a somber tone to it. But I'm glad that she was able to inject some joy, some life, some hope, some optimism. Um, and I think it's a great prequel to set up for Ironheart and where she's going to go. I cannot wait. Um, she had such great chemistry with so much of the cast. Um, yeah, Speaking she of so her fun. comedy... Did you see today there was something online I saw about um, the origin, the Black Panther Wakanda Forever, like, working draft script that then got leaked out? I saw the headlines. I did not read the article. Okay. I read a little bit about it, and she was going to drop originally in that Marvel's first F-bomb when she saw the Atlanteans pop up out of the water. She was going to scream, who the F is that, and why are they blue? And... I don't know how I feel because, like, I would have cracked up laughing. I'm think laughing just thinking about it. I like that, you know, that Marvel is very accessible to families, but we're going to get an F bomb with De Deadpool. Are they waiting for him and not giving it to Riri? Like, that would have been just so, like, what did she just say? Like, in the middle yeah. of Black Panther, you know what I mean? Yeah. And also, like, because it's, like, also right, <laughs> right before Avatar comes out and everything. Like, it, it, it would have yeah. been definitely some multiple layers there. <laughs> um,. Yeah. That's interesting. Her yeah. show is, like, I'm thinking October, probably November, right, for her show later this fall? Yeah, it should be kind of like, because if we're going to get, if we're going to still get uh, Agatha this year, she'll probably end up being around December. Um, I don't think so. I blend it too, but I don't let think. Let me be optimistic. I know. I want it so bad. I need some, like, American Horror Story season three oh, vibes. Did you see, sorry to interrupt, did you no. see Glass Onion yet? I have not. She's in it, and yeah, she's, she's in it. Yeah, I've heard. It has a great cast. Like we just watched the first two. I I've seen the first one before. Mm -hmm. The Glass Onion was, oh, it was great too. And uh, Dave Bautista's in it too. Oh, all the Marvel folk. He's a really good actor, by the way. I I um, yeah, I think she'll come. I think her show. I think Ironheart probably be like in October ish, maybe kind of right around there, maybe late mm -hmm. September. Um, but I'm I, I just was... Red Hood. You ready for Red Hood? Oh, he's gonna be so good. I like the whole concept too, because like I said, I think it's gonna be like kind of a trilogy of sorts. Um, where I mean, it was supposed to lead into Blade as well, but um, I still think it could potentially play with that. Wait, when which project is rumored to have Mephisto finally in it? Isn't I it hers? I think it's Ironheart. Yeah. I mean, we've been talking about him. It seems like for two or three years. So oh my we'll gosh. finally. The guy that played Borat, I think, is playing him, is the rumor. Yes, that's that's the rumor, yes. Oh my gosh, can you imagine the moment? Nobody's going to actually believe it when, like, when Mephisto actually is revealed. No one's going to believe it. 
No, I just it's become such a meme. I don't know. I think one uh, final thing to uh, before we wrap up on Black Panther Wakanda forever. Um, I think it was also very shocking that they also killed the queen. I think that was probably one of the biggest shocks. I did not see that coming. Uh, I would even say even bigger than the fact that Valentina was in the film, which was also such a big surprise, which I am super appreciative because it's just that connective tissue. Um, it's setting up, I believe, the Thunderbolts and even Captain America. Um, mm. But more so, I, I was so... Uh, my mouth was on the floor. I was like, they're not going to kill her. And then I was like, they're going to kill her. They killed her. I was shocked. And the ramifications of her death, obviously, on Shuri and on Wakanda, but also on Okoye, because if you think yeah. about it, the last scene between Ramada and Okoye is when Okoye loses her position yep. and then becomes... What's the character type of... The Midnight Angels. Thank you, Midnight Angel, with one of the other Dharma Laje. Like, Okoye, we've known as the same type of character since like Black Panther and throughout the Avenger movies. She's kind of a completely different character now, and it's partially due to the fact of she never could get, now get resolution with the queen, who she was not trying to let down. She was nope. trying to do her best, and even like you put her up against three At At Atlanteans or whatever, she's not going to win that battle. Nope. And I cannot wait to rewatch this one and blast the volume and just <laughs> enjoy it. And oh, I'm excited. This it was a really good movie, and I just want to. That's one I really want to rewatch again as soon as I can. Definitely. All right. And we can definitely talk about it more whenever we have some downtime, but I don't think we're going to have a lot of downtime this year, are we? Nope. Not at all. Uh, job security, right? <laughs> we all right. <laughs> the last project for 2022, and then we can wrap up because this episode is very long. It's a good it reintroduction. <laughs> It is, yeah. We, we're basically making up for three or four months of not being on the air. <laughs> our last... Um, our last topic for tonight, Guardians of the Galaxy, the holiday special. This is one that we, I think, might have even known about earlier than Girl by Night as a special presentation coming out. But, um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was Kevin Bacon and singing. And Did you get you in the holiday mood, JG? It came out a couple weeks before Christmas. Yeah, I watched it. It was quite cheery. It was fun. It's one of those things that I think I'll put on along with uh, Hawkeye. It's a nice new December tradition now. Um I had a good time. It wasn't something that blew me away per se, but it was just just comforting and fun. I like how they incorporated Kevin Bacon, just how it was just that wackiness, a nice bridge into um, Guardians Volume Three, and there were there are quite a few reveals, some uh, controversial shorts that might have came out before the holiday special that maybe shouldn't have, and uh, but. You know, hey, that's showbiz sometimes. And uh, I had a fun time with it overall, though. Yeah, I did, too. This is one that I did rewatch twice. I watched it when it came out, and then I watched it again with some family around the holidays. Um, the music was great in it, like all Guardians products. I did <laughs> not know that that opening song, that B-97s, I knew they were a real band. I yep. really didn't know much about them. That's actually one of their songs, and, like, it's been around for a while, and I did not know that. I, I did not know that. I thought that was new. Yeah, I found that out. A friend of mine really shared that with me, and I was like, oh, wow. Leave it um, to James Gunn. Kevin Bacon, yeah, Kevin Bacon playing himself. You know what? DC has a great future ahead of them with James Gunn. I'm going to miss him, though. After Guardians, when he walks away, 
I think he could be around, but I think his plate's going to be so full, he won't be able to be much of an advisor or even, you know, producer much for Marvel anymore right now. But um, Kevin Bacon playing himself was great. I thought, yeah, like you said, the reveals. The two big ones, in my opinion, were Guardians have bought Nowhere from the Collector, so the Collector's still alive. Nowhere is in their possession, which will, by the bet, likely get destroyed come Guardians 3. And then um, the fact, of course, that Mantis is Peter's sister, which makes sense. I don't know why, like, when the leak first came out from that Marvel Legends episode, I'm thinking, I I watched it that day, and I'm like, (laughs) I don't remember that scene, but I'm like, I guess I just forgot it. And then it (laughs) dawned on me later when it popped up online, and they got rid of the episode, I'm thinking... If it was a deleted scene on the Blu-ray, I don't even go back. I, I usually don't watch deleted scenes. Yeah. I, um, I don't know. I, I was like, well, okay. Uh, I mean, it makes sense. I don't know why we never thought of it, really. Yeah, that was that was up there for me. I also thought, um, personally, I thought the uh, whole gift to Rocket and it's Bucky's arm, I thought that was a beautiful, touching, nice little reveal and touching moment. Um, I, I do think that this also gave us a ton of great Drax and Mantis content. Two characters that are used, I would say, primarily for comedic purposes with touches of emotions here and there, but primarily they're for the comedic. I love that we got to see them in full action. We got to see them kick a lot of butt. We got to see them develop. We got to see them just really fleshed out characters. And I thought that was really refreshing leading us up into this volume three that is going to utterly destroy our hearts. Today, Dave Batista said... Guardians 3 is the end of the road for him. Yep. I, I kind of believe that. I think yeah. he really got sidelined until the holiday special, really. I'm glad Gunn gave him an, a chance. I think Mantis could still pop up because she got added on later, but I don't know. I'm glad that um, Drax got this moment to shine, and it's a shame that he didn't get more time to shine. I hope he has a good send-off in the third movie. Hopefully not too much of an emotional one like other characters might have, but I don't know. I don't know when we're going to see him again, but... um. Yeah, it was a fun movie. It was short. I again, like you said, I'm gonna watch it more times at Christmas in the future. And um, yeah, it's special presentations. They've worked out well. And plus that post-credit scene, it sound like there's gonna be at least another one. Yeah. Um, with the Guardians, maybe at some point down the road. Who knows? So if Gunn doesn't come back, um, if, let's go to Vegas one final time. Um, oh. if if uh, Gunn is too busy. You know, he's he's revealed the next three years, phase one of the DC-verse, video games, books, and all that good jazz. Who's going to come back next year to do the holiday special? So for 2024, they're going to come out with Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special uh, version 2, volume 2. Who's, who's directing? Yeah, who's directing it? Who would you have? Um... <laughs> no, I mean, million dollar well, question. I, I, part of me can't answer that yet. I, I feel like I'm until I see. I'm wondering if Guardians Three feels like a complete closure, or if it feels more like the end of Age of Ultron when all those new Avengers showed up at the camp, compound. Like, part of me wants to wait and see, like, if they are teasing the next Guardians team continue or if they have a whole new team that's by a different name so come back to me on that one i i, I don't <laughs> even know i can't think of a director that has gun style like i almost feel like whatever iteration the guardians like i i, I think Groot's safe 
I could be wrong. Because you can do more with CGI Groot. Mm -hmm. I think Mantis could be safe. I don't know. Like, I think Gamora, Peter, Drax, and Rocket are going to be done. I, I do. I do, too. Rocket could be a red herring, like in the trailer. Maybe Rocket and Groot. But I don't know. Rocket's had a good character development, too. I think... I, I think... Groot and Cosmo might be, and Mantis might be the only ones that continue on. And Adam Warlock. Yes, I do agree. It's going to be hard to see. I, I also, I, I honestly, I kind of, I, I threw a curveball. I, I think Gunn will come back uh, to do the holiday special. If, it, if these holiday specials are short, you could do them, take a break from DC for a month or two and have other people helping him out. He could do that. The only other person, I guess, could be Taika, but I That's think Taika's done with Marvel for the time being. Yeah, I think enough. Um, I, I think Thor 4, whether you love that film or not, I think there is enough respon enough negative response that it kind of made him maybe reevaluate things and maybe want to try different things right now. So, yeah, I, I think um, I'm curious what it'll look like whenever um, what um, James Gunn's schedule is going to look like. I'm really curious... You alluded to it about two or three minutes ago about how the DC universe is going to tie in video games, comic books, in a way that the MCU does not have any canon video games. And nope. it does have some canon comic books, but they're so minimal compared to the non-MCU canon comic books. But I'm curious, I like this strategy, and I know we're talking Marvel and DC here, but I'm curious if this new strategy of guns um, is a little bit different as a way to compete, and I'm curious what it's going to look like. I hope we start getting some ideas. At some point, we're supposed to get them this month. First couple films announced. It's going to make me really not interested a whole lot in going to the theater to see the three or four DC films coming out this year, because I don't think they're going to carry over. And I'm a little concerned about The Flash for a variety of reasons, but... Um, Unless you're Ezra Miller and you're going to be sticking around, apparently. Which makes no sense. No sense at all. All the people to keep. Of all people. But hey, it's DC. Right. We're not DC cast. <laughs> at some point, we should just do a random episode, like a multiverse episode where we do a DC cast. But I don't. Well, I wonder well, if it's just WB saying that just to get people excited for the movie and then just, I don't, I don't That company whatever. bewilders me. There's a reason why we don't podcast about them. But um, yeah. I don't know. I, I do think... You know, we've had this conversation, like, literally on the last episode that we recorded was about the whole strategy um, of, like, games and extended stories of Marvel. And I, I do think they're going to keep doing what they're doing because people people have felt burnt out by Phase 4, by the um, amount of content that we got. Um, and I would even dare to say that maybe even some of the creatives felt burnt out, especially the editors. Um, so one thing I do love, because since we have, uh, been off the air, Chapik is gone! Hallelujah! I would never normally revel in the fact of someone being fired, but make it known, Chapik has a extremely fat wallet, he is doing very fine, and as a result, we have good old Uncle Iger back, and I do think that is going to help out Marvel a lot. I think Iger is going to be here at the end of the multiverse saga. He has a three-year contract, I think. 2024, I believe. What is it? Okay, well. Approximately. Hopefully, if. they'll have time to get someone in good hands, too. But, you know, if you're in top brass of Disney, you've seen what Feige's able to do, 
you should just keep writing checks to Feige and letting him do what he wants to do because I know you and I have been talking about that making of Marvel Studios book. I was just reading, I think, 2016 or 15, whenever it was. Yeah, did you finish it? I did not yet. I have, like, maybe a good 100 pages left-ish. Yeah, I'm about that much, 150 maybe left, 200 pages. But I was reading about when they finally kind of split up and got less of um, oversight by the um, Pullmutter Pol- and those at Marvel yes. in New York City. And yes. So, like, at that point, that's whenever they could finally greenlight a Captain Marvel movie, a Black Panther movie. Like, things that should have been greenlit earlier, like a Black Widow movie, were put on hold because of that. So I'm hoping that, you know, especially with uh, Bob Iger back, continue to push for that and um, let Marvel do Marvel. Definitely. Any other final thoughts on the year of 2022, Stephen? Yeah. You know, this was a much-needed recap of all that, and it's going to help yes. me, I think, when I go to vote tomorrow because I um, it reminded me about a lot of things that I, I loved, and I, I'm going to have a hard time making a few decisions tomorrow. So <laughs> it's been great. I know you and I talk a lot off-air, but I'm um, hopeful that our audience is excited to get back into the swing of things on a weekly basis with us. And hopefully we can kind of keep that route, um, that schedule as often as we can here. Definitely. It is very exciting. You know, um, looking back at this year, it's so, so refreshing just seeing all the stories, all the great content that we got. Um, generally, it's looking like we're probably going to slow down a little bit, which I think is just healthy for everyone involved. Um, the, the editors, the creators, even us fans, uh, maybe whether we realize it or not, maybe it is too much. Um, and so I am excited just to see kind of where we go. Um, and where this podcast goes, you know, it's going to be so exciting to see continue to evolve um, into video and who knows what else. There's lots of great games coming out this year, um, Spider-Man. Um, but we actually will be talking about ne- this current year in next week's episode, so stay tuned. Keep an eye out for that. That does wrap up this very long reintroduction episode of Marvel Cast, episode 40. We hoped you enjoyed it, diving into the world of the multiverse with us of Marvel. We want fans to interact with us, and we say this all the time. We really do love it whenever you interact. We've had a few emails in the past, which is something you can still do. You can email us at marvelcastpod at gmail.com, which will be in the description of both the podcast and the video. Additionally, if you're watching on YouTube, you can also just leave a comment, and we can go ahead and pull it from there. Whether you have something that you just absolutely love about 2022, whether it's a question you want to uh, answer or want us to give our thoughts on it, a theory, speculation, whatever that might be, um, we want to be able to just interact and make you a part of the show, uh, make you basically the third host. Um, we are very excited with that. Please subscribe to 1138 Productions, where our podcast feed is, if you haven't already, and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. It does make a big difference. For myself and Steve, have a marvelous week, and remember... I could do this all day.